There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. We have rivers here where there's just signs that are like, do not wade, bottom littered with pipe bombs. I just want to shout out, they will always be Great Lakes steelhead to me. <laughs> Migratory rainbow snobs, don't at me. He's got that rod, he's got my fly box. He goes, you're not fishing. People only use this in Alaska for trout. That's a bunch of pretentious indie movie bullshit. What do you think this is, an episode of freaking Philistines? That being said, it's on Netflix and you should check it out. Yes! Good morning, Degenerate Anglers, and welcome to Bent, the fishing podcast that sounds so much better than a kick in the face with a golf shoe. Thanks to today's guest co-host, you know him, you love him, ladies and gentlemen, our legendary audio engineer, Phil Taylor, is here. What? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just as surprised as I'm sure the listeners are. Yeah. Well, I I mean, if you think about it, right, who else knows this podcast as intimately as you? So, like, Phil, like, you're the natural... You're the natural like go-to for guest co-host number one, and I hope I hope you piped in some roaring crowd sound effects for yourself because I think you deserve it. Um, anyway, it's super good to have you here. Like, can I get you anything? A glass of water, <laughs> Subway tuna hoagie, a pack of bubble butts from our sponsors, Thirteen Fishing, maybe. Okay, I want to go back to the tuna hoagie, but first I have to ask, uh, bubble butts? <laughs> can you please yeah. elaborate? I, I, I will. I will. So these are uh, extra girthy, shaky lures covered in donkey sauce. And if I, I, I can, I know a guy, so I can get you a pack of them if you want them. Um, but it's funny because we hear you weekly weighing in on fish news, but this is the opportunity for myself and the listeners to really get to know you better. Like, I, dude, I have zero idea what your fishing history is. Do you fish? Have you, have you ever fished? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I'm not really sure either. I, I, can, I can tell you, though. That before I got a job at Meat Eater, which is a, a you know a brand a media brand that you know has a lot to do with hunting and fishing, a little bit, a little, little bit. bit. Um, <laughs> I, I had caught one fish in my life. One. Um, what was what was that? 
I honestly could not tell you. I was on uh, scenic Lake Taklak in Washington State. Um, hit me up if you <laughs> if I've got any uh, Lake Taklak uh, <laughs> regulars out there. But yeah, I have no idea what the fish was. Caught it. I was too grossed out to touch it. <laughs> so oh, Phil, I wouldn't bad. have said that. But I wouldn't have said that. Were you a little child, or was this like not that long ago? Uh, it was how about how about thirteen? Is that is that a little child? That's no, but that's right on the edge of I don't know how I feel about you being afraid to touch the fish. Um, I'm gonna look up Lake Takalak and I'm gonna figure out what it was. I'll come back to you with options and maybe from it'll jog your memory and you'll be like, it was that one because I've never heard of it and I have no idea what's in there. Somebody will write in to let me know. Uh, but I, let me ask you this since you've been editing Bent for over a year now, has like any of the bullshit we've spewed made you want to go? chase something you haven't before like has any of this piqued your interest beyond our coverage of pokemon lores <laughs> uh it's definitely piqued my interest i honestly had no idea how <laughs> deep this world went um right i mean like right? yeah but like as with anything of course it goes as deep as you want it to go and honestly sure. you guys go so deep that i get <laughs> lost immediately like miles <laughs> miles made a joke a few weeks ago about how I, uh, I'm sure Phil doesn't even listen to what we're talking about. He just kind of, he's, he's busy doing something else. You're about to tell me that was accurate and you don't, I'd right? say that's about 68% accurate. <laughs> <laughs> so as at least you're, you're honest. That's why we love sure, you. Sure. <laughs> as, as with most things, uh, in regarding the podcast that I work on at this company, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm pretty lost. I, th I, but I would love like kind of a surface level, education or fishing trip one of these days from you joe i don't know if that if we can make that happen we, we have we have talked about it uh for a while where like we would start you off bluegill fishing and record that and like work it up and then eventually like the big payoff was you'd fly out here and i'd take you like bluefin fishing or something i'd love it i don't know i don't know where we are in the budget now and now i'm kind of like scrambling to put this show together so that <laughs> might have to get back burnered for a little yeah, while sure it's, it's, but it's, it, it's at the bottom it, of the list <laughs> I got it. <laughs> it was something that was talked about, though it frightens me a little that you say you get that lost because we kind of strive to be like pretty, like not too deep divey so that fishermen of all ilks can listen to us. Well, here's, here's so, the thing, Joe. I've, I've told you this before. <laughs> I've told like almost everyone who, who works at Meat Eater and anyone I can, people on, on the bus, I'll stop them and be like, hey, have you listened to Ben? Um, I, I even that. though I don't yes. know a lot about fishing. And now, since I was 13, I've caught about six or seven fish in my life. So, you know, I wouldn't call myself an expert, but... Um, right, right, right. But, like, even though I don't know a lot about fishing, I, I love listening to this show every week. It's, it's, it's the show I look forward to the most. I love that. I love that. Yeah, and, it's great. And, that's part of, and, I, and I know that's part of the reason why you're here. And I, and I know you're not a hardcore angler, and that's okay. Um, but we need more about you. You are like a, a traveler, though, correct? You get around. You were recently at the uh, Minnesota State Fair, if I'm not mistaken. You put up a short expose on Instagram documenting <laughs> foods on a stick. Yes, the Minnesota State Fair. It's the uh, the epicenter of culture in the United States. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I've done some traveling. I've I've been okay. I've been to, to to Europe once. That was fun. Uh -huh. uh, uh -huh. A lot of I've, I'm a Pacific Northwest native, so I've spent some time in, in British Columbia, Canada. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's some some East Coast dabbling, but not not a whole lot of time spent there. So I'd love to get right. out there more. But yeah, yeah, it's, right on. It's, it's a pretty average, pretty average traveler. Fair enough. How about old Mexico? You ever spend any time in old Mexico? San Diego is the closest I've been to old Mexico. I've seen it from from a distance, but I can't so say you, I've so been wait, there. So you spent time in San Diego and did not go to Tijuana? No. Is this you setting yourself up for a great Tijuana story? Or 
No, I've never been there either. Oh, okay. I, but I have never been there either. But I think that's, I thought that was the thing you do. Uh, whatever the Tijuana story would be, whether it was yours or mine, we probably shouldn't tell it here because that's what happens in Tijuana. Um, but anyway, today's Smooth Move segment actually takes place both north and south of the border. And I'm excited about it. Um, not only is this a great story, but most of you, at least I hope, haven't forgotten about the Get Bent experience. So a few months ago, uh, we dropped a contest giving you guys a chance to submit stories. And the winner got to join us for a Smooth Move segment. Um, and we certainly didn't forget about it. And we noted this. It's just that you guys sent so many great stories. It took us forever to pare it down and declare a winner. But today's the day, Phil. And it's actually, it's just a great day for Phil's everywhere. Because you're here. And it's a Phil in our story. So how about, no way. how about that? Yes, absolutely. How, how, about, how about Dr. Phil? Have we checked on him? Is he doing okay? No, 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 no. We'll check on him next okay. time. I'm just wondering if there's um, any other Phil's we can bring in here. <laughs> if, if any if any come to mind, we'll we'll throw them in. Okay. Um, but for the first time ever, a loyal Bent listener's voice shall be heard here. Joining us all the way from Benbrook, Texas, here's the Get Bent Experience Grand Prize winner, Phil Van Horn. Why did you do that? Why? Why did you do that, Karen? I am joined today on Smooth Moves by listener Phil Van Horn, and this is a special deal. I have to, I, I have to offer you congrats, man, because you are the first fan in Bent history that uh, has been on the show. Well, I appreciate it. I'm honored. <laughs> you said in your email when I when I alerted you to the win that you were speechless, which is rare. Oh yeah, no, I mean. I, I... <laughs> I couldn't believe it at first. I thought you were calling about my car warranty, you know, ex- expired. You're trying to offer this up on that email. And I was like, that's a nice scheme here. So no, no, no. Sometimes it's not a scheme and this time it wasn't. And I I already know you got your, uh, your, your meat eater fishing swag. I had to laugh because I was like, what size shirt? And you were like, ah, large or extra large. And then I got the follow-up email that was like, actually, my wife reminded me that I am an extra large and to stop kidding myself. Yeah, I, I knew <laughs> Which I feel you. I feel you on that. But um, yeah, man, so we got a ton of entries. So pretty big deal to be weeded out as the, the grand prize winner. But this is one hell of a story. Um, so take it from the top, man. Lay it, lay it on us. All right. Well, wife and I got married 20-some-odd years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. 21 to be exact. And so 20 years ago, we started going down to uh, Mexico to visit her family and Lake Amistad, which is a huge mm-hmm. lake, you know, great bass fishing. So yep. we, it's right there. So to pass the time, I mean, it's a hundred degrees during the day, sitting in her aunt's house and I, you know, Power Rangers with a Spanish dub over gets old after a while. So <laughs> I finished, uh, I figured out, you know, I talk her cousin into going fishing her cousin had all the lives he was living in Mexico, going back and forth, working. And at that time, he lived in Del Rio. So he goes, hey, we'll go in the evenings. I guess, sir, no problem. So we went bass fishing. I just started doing it. My wife taught me into fly fishing because she, she's willing to try anything. So I was like, yeah, let's go. And uh, her cousin at the time was working on this, on this trip that we had. And he wasn't able to go with me. But he had shown me back roads and which way to go across the border. So there's two main entrances back into the u.s so you got a toll bridge the international 277 you can sit there for hours and i mean you're just taking a beating there so you can take this back road route number two and it goes right over the dam i mean you're driving over the rio grande looking down at amistad and you just wave at the border guards as you go by right so i was like you know i'll take that route 
I can drive 90 miles an hour. There's nothing out there. I mean, there's old movie sets and there's a like a Goodyear racetrack where they test tires. I've been down to this part of the world, not Amistad. Uh, I've been to Falcon though, so okay. I, I know I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's it's different. Yeah, yeah, two lane blacktop, nothing out there. Mm-hmm. So you mm-hmm. know, get run over by a dump truck. That's your own fault. You know that kind of thing. So. <laughs> So <laughs> we're going to be out here um, three days in a row. I said, hey, you know what? I'll, I've always only fished conventional there. And if you talk to anybody there, it's always like, hey, green pumpkin. Green pumpkin yeah. this, green pumpkin that. I'm like, yeah. you got to try something different, right? I was like, I'm just going to go fly fishing this time. I'm not going to mm-hmm. take conventional gear. Mix it up. So the first day I went to the main border checkpoint at 277. It, it wasn't too bad. No traffic to speak of. So I cross the border get on where i'm gonna fish the the water level is always 35 40 feet low at this lake so yeah fly yeah. fish i mean you got no there's nothing in your back cast because you're standing on limestone catch a couple fish top water i'm like hey not a bad day can't be upset so i come back the back way and i'm coming over that dam on the smaller road on the so you sp- came back on the smaller road right, right. route got number it, two got it. so i came back on that route and wave at the border guards no questions asked pass on through you know, I'm back home. I'm eating tacos by noon. So I'm like, this is amazing. It breaks <laughs> my heart. Day two, I get going. Same route. Get over the dam. Wave at the opposing boat at each opposing teammate border guards here, you know, to and yeah. from. So get on the lake and it's windy. I can't cast. I mean, there's nothing happening. So I head back. I catch some SpongeBob in Spanish and I get everything that I, that I planned <laughs> on. So day three comes and I mean, it, it I got there. I went the back way, cross over, wave back. I get over there, start fishing. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm about an hour after sunrise. I'm in the same 30 minutes. I'm catching left and right. Topwater, streamers, everything's working. Yep. All of a sudden, the clouds leave, bluebird skies, and the fish disappear. They swam back where they came from. So I said, all right, well, I'll pack this up. and get back a little bit earlier. So I head back across the dam. We're going to go back that back way, the easy way. So I head back. I wave, and promptly, I mean, as soon as I wave to start driving by, I get a hand on my hood, and he says, alto no pase. Stop, no go. No, no passing Uh-oh. here. <laughs> I was like, great. What is this going to cost me? So he uh, points over to the side of the guard shack. They start asking me, what are you doing? Where have you been? Why are you going this way all the time? I, I see you every day. So this is three days in a row now. Right. Right. Three okay. days in a row. Got it. An American in a Dodge Durango, you know, with the Texas plate, you know, just <laughs> cruising on in. And, uh, I mean, he's blaming me. He's, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm fishing. He goes, no, you're not. What, what are you doing? You're, you come back and forth this way. Are you smuggling? You know, are you running drugs? Right. Are you right, running right. people? What are we doing? You're, you don't, you're not from here and you keep coming this route. This is a kind of a local route. Are you fluent in Spanish, by the way? I've spoken of conversational Spanish my whole, with my wife, you know. Yeah, right, to understand. Yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, I'm holding the conversation in Spanish. So we're, uh, I mean, I'm sitting there in the car, and he, he tells me to step on out. So I get escorted into the building where I find me a nice five-by-five five holding cell. Oh. Baby oh. blue. It's beautiful. Oh. No air conditioner. Little grated, you know, little grated door. Well, I realized that's a first, you know, that's my first time on this side of it. I was, at that time I was a, 
I was a cop here in, in Texas. And so he sees my wallet, you know, he's already, you know, he's suspicious more now. So I was like, all right, I'm going to sweat this out. And, uh, he just keeps asking me, what are you doing? What are you doing? Why are, why are we here? Yeah. I said, man, I'm, I'm out fishing. That's all I'm doing. He goes, you're not fishing. You're coming through here every day. And I'm like, man, what are you, where are we going with this? And, um, I, I was like, Hey, just check the back of my car. Fishing poles in the back. My mm-hmm. wet boots are back there. Everything is in the back of my car. So I'm surprised, man. He, he walked right back there, came back. He's got that rod. He's got my fly box and he's got my boot. You know, he's like boots are wet. He ain't worried about it. He goes, you're not fishing. No one, no one fishes with this. I said, what? <laughs> Man, I, I was completely offended. I'm like, I've never been accused of not fishing in my life. <laughs> so the inspector, he, he's, he's really adamant about this. You're not fishing. People only use this in Alaska for trout. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm blown away. I mean, I'm like, yeah, no, I get that here. When people ask me, hey, where do you go fish? I'm like, in water. I mean, I've never not fished in water, but... I try not to be a jackass all the time and, you know, give that right. explanation, but right. So I'm like, all right, I, you know, I'm just trying to figure out how I'm getting out of this. I was like, Hey, you find any contraband, anything in my car? And he's just like, no, I don't have a computer with me, you know? So it's like, you know, I'm not smuggling anything. So I was like, all right. I was like, what do you want? Yeah. You know, what, what do you mean to do? He goes, use it. Show me. I'm like, <laughs> show you. What do you mean to show you? You know, I mean, we're going to climb down this hill. I mean, the the river's two hundred feet below me. What, what are we going to do? And he 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 showed me. He's like handing it to me. I'm like, oh, he wants me to cast. He wants me uh. to prove my freedom. You know, so I'm like, all right, I'll play your game. <laughs> I assemble a rod. I let some, uh, you know, let some leader out. I'm like, how am I going to false? You're cast up on this? the bridge, yeah. right? You're like, yeah, yeah I'm yeah, on the dam. It. I am two hundred feet above the water. You know, staring. I'm like. I can make a break for it, you know, run back 50 feet, political asylum like in Die Hard or whatever, you know. <laughs> Not advised, though. Yeah. No, I was like, well, then I lose my car. And I, I mean, he's got my boots right. back there. So right. what's more important at this point? So I'm like, all right, I could jump 200 feet to the river, 50 feet to the water on the other side. I'm like, ah, this isn't, I'll cast. Right. So <laughs> I let some lead out and I sit there and I just start false casting. And I mean, I, I'm the most important cast I've ever made before this was for a tailing redfish. Right. You know, so right. I'm like, How, yeah. which one's more important, this one, so I can go home or, you know, a fish. So I'm, I'm unletting this thing, and I'm throwing the tightest loops. I let it out, I'm casting, and it just unfurls, and it just rolls out and lands perfectly on that concrete. And I'm like, huh, I'll surprise myself, you know, at this point. Right, I'm like, right, yeah. All right. So I look over at him, I'm like, Mm, you know, what do you think? You know, I'm a little, a little free lesson. I didn't charge him or anything, you know, so <laughs> he kind of, he kind of gives me that, that reassuring nod. Like, yeah, you're, you're good. So I'm walking back to the truck. I'm like, he points to the back of the car. I got the back open, throwing it in. He goes, he points and he goes, cerveza. Ah. Like, yeah, I do. Thank you. He goes, <laughs> no, uh, that's my shiner box six pack. And I went, <laughs> Well, uh, thanks. I mean, I'm like, Did, yeah, compared to other things that people I know have had to give away, just give up in Mexico, a six pack of Shiner, no big deal. Oh, well, yeah. No you know, big deal. I'm, and I'm like, <laughs> you know what? I had to import it. I mean, I guess that's my smuggling run for that day. So I'm like, all right, fair enough. You know, you take my take my beer. 
But then I'm like, hey, where's my fly box in my wallet? You know, let me have that back. He has me my fly box back, takes my wallet, takes a $20 bill out of it, and told me, uh. it's for your inspection. I said, oh, hey, no, thanks. I, you know, I figured, hey, you, so I lost my taco money and my, and my beer <laughs> all in one fatal swoop. But I'm like, hey, I, I'm free. But it's the most important cast you've ever made, oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it was Freedom Loops, you know, just, <laughs> just, uh, just. Freedom Loops. Yeah. So, so. Did, did you go back the, the rest of the trip, or was that your last time across? That was my last day across at that point, you know, for that gotcha. trip. So I was like, I'm, right. I'm done. You know, if I need to go back, I'll better go back to the U.S. side. And it's a little, you know, with traffic and cars and, you know, witnesses and everything else but no that was that was it for this trip and i was just that that was uh about all she wrote there you go man well look we like i said we got a ton of great stories for the get ben experience but casting for your freedom on a bridge in mexico especially resonated with me because like i said i've run into some shit in mexico too um that's the winner man that's the winner hey i, I appreciate it man the last time i'd ever won anything was i got a phone call one time saying hey you, you've won his chance for the uh, tickets for the Playboy Halloween lingerie party back in 1998. <laughs> and I'm sitting there on the, on this phone in my, in the, in the hallway, you know, cord wrapped around me trying to figure out what's going on. He goes, Hey, let me get your information. I'm like, man, for your reservations and plane ticket. I'm like, this is great. Give out my date of birth. And he goes, Oh, I'm sorry. You're, you're only 19. I went, well, yeah. He uh, goes, well, I'm sorry. You gotta be 21. Uh, thanks for playing hung up i'm like you know what this win was almost as good phil no, i'm not on. i mean 23 years in the making i finally won again <laughs> and i mean this beats halloween lingerie playboy mansion any day wow um first of all that sounds terrifying um but it, it also <laughs> sounds like it could be the great premise to a coen brothers movie yeah dude right on and uh, the part i'm still stuck on is freedom loops like, isn't that what you plan to call your company when you start your own audio production business one day? <laughs> Freedom Loops by Phil. It's kind of like Fashions by Deb, you know? Yeah, well, loops, loops are already a great audio. That's a great audio word. Um, there's exactly. Yeah, there's actually there's an audio uh, editing software called Fruity Loops. Um, I'm not sure if there's been any sort of like trademark lawsuit happening there uh, with, the, with the serial brand, but um, I'll have to check on that before I start Freedom Loops. I, I have to ask this, and I'm going to date myself. Do you know what Techno EJ is? No clue. Okay, that was probably you're you're younger than me. That was like a techno thing I had in like I don't know freshman year of high school where you just made techno on your PC. Anyway, enough about that. Um, <laughs> I'd love I'd love to hear some if you've got, got I'll files. I'll call you lying after. Around. I've already said too much, okay. and I might somewhere. I don't know. Um, but I can relate to Phil's story because I've actually been the guy in the back office at a Mexican airport paying taxes that are only payable in cash on camera equipment that I'm bringing in to create media that promotes tourism, you know, to your country. So whatever. And the arm, the arm guards were not necessary. And the best part was this was a trip with pure fishing, big, big fishing brand. And as uh, the guards are escorting me to the, to the back, my bud who put the trip together is screaming, get me a receipt. I'll pay for this. <laughs> I'm like, dude, Look, I'm not gonna. There's nobody's gonna give me a receipt for the sixty dollars I just shelled out to buy everybody here lunch. Like, there's no real taxes. This is all fake. But you say you've never been to Mexico, so you've never had to deal with any of that. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, you're you guys, you and the other Phil are really selling me on Mexico. I got, I gotta say. So, <laughs> well, I enjoyed having Phil on very much. And here's the deal, right? So, uh, some of the runner-up stories were so good. 
Don't be shocked if I hit up a few more of you to lay them down. And if I do, you will also get the same meat eater fishing swag pack um, that Phil got. Honestly, I would really love to hear all of your voices heard on Bent more often. So I'm going to resurrect an idea for a new segment. Uh, we had this idea a while ago. It just never came to fruition. Oh, is this the segment where you guys play Rapple of Fishing on Nintendo Wii over your uh, techno EJ music? <laughs> no, it's not. No, shit. It's not okay. that one. Uh, but uh, man, see, I forgot you're privy to all our shenanigans. Like, you know the inner workings as well as I do. Uh, no, we kicked around a segment we were going to call Nibbles and Sips, and I've revamped it slightly, and here's how it's going to go. Uh, if you want to be heard on Bent, right, email a voice memo to bent at the com. That's preferred, but I'll take voice memos via DM too. And you could say whatever you want. Ask a question. Tell me I suck. Tell me I don't suck. Give your opinion about a, a recent show segment. Um, give me your rambling, possibly drunk version of your own That's My Bar or Tackle Hack or End of the Line. Surprise me. And if your sweet, sultry voice ends up on Nibbles and Sips, I'll swag you out. And Phil, am I asking for it here? Like, is this a bad idea? Should I not? Is this okay? What do you think? We could workshop the name a little bit. I, I think I think I saw a video called Nibbles and Sips at my friend's house uh, in in high school that I won't go into details here about. <laughs> that's it. But uh, no, I'm not going to revamp the name. But it's funny. That's where you heard Nibbles and Sips. I heard it from one of my six year old daughters, like weird anime, like cutesy shows. Nibbles and Sips was like tea time. And I was like, Nibbles and Sips, that's very fishy. I'm going to use that. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, so I'm not I'm not changing it because I like it both ways. Whatever you're talking about, text me later because uh, with a link because I want to see it. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'll think about that, though. But I'm, I'm pretty stuck on Nibbles and Sips. And it was actually listener Anthony Marchant who gave me this idea. Not long ago, I, I did a news piece about the giant sturgeon caught by retired hockey goalie Pete Peters. Do you remember this? Because I believe I lost news that week. Does that ring a bell? <laughs> it, it does ring a bell. The story rings a bell. I don't remember which winner I, I declared, but it sounds like it sounds like you do remember. And it's really it's really it's really sticking in your craw. I do. I do. Because I said that Peters once won the Vizina Trophy. And man, did I hear it from like six people, most of which were Canadians, probably rocking hockey hair. But Anthony sent me this voice memo. It's not called the Vizma, Joe. It's called the f***ing Vesna. Get it right. First of all, I didn't say Vesma or Vesna, which is apparently correct. I said Vizina because it is spelled Vizina. V-E-Z-I-N-A. Like, dude, would you have guessed that the I was silent? Absolutely not. No, See? I'm I'm on Team Joe here, and and <laughs> that's how you. that's how language works. That's how words work. So <laughs> exactly, and you know what? But this is a fishing podcast, not the penalty box or whatever you cake eaters and knuckle puckers listen to. I will take my licks when I mess up fish shit, but hockey stuff, I do not care. But technically, that was our first nibbles and sips segment. So Anthony is going to get swagged out simply for giving me a hard time with a voice DM. See how easy that was. <laughs> Um, but we are, we are going to have to come up with a good jingle, though, for next time. Oh, yeah. I, I can't wait. I love throwing those together. I, ha I have some ideas that might come from Reno 911. Are you a Reno 911 fan? I never watched Reno 911, but I know that that whole crew was, or most of them were a part of the state, which I, I did. Yes. I was, oh, dude, the I state, was a fan man. Of, yeah. Stella you know, I've well. tried. I, <laughs> I've tried to pull some state stuff for this show. There's very little of it on the YouTube's though. Like it's like buried in the in like in the annals of history. There's just not a lot of state clips out there. Um, anyway, in the meantime, I'm going to have to come up with uh, current events. Sure to crush the new opponent stepping into the octagon. That is fish news. Fish news. That escalated quickly.
So, kids, news. How's that going to work now? Well, for starters, we're going to run two stories instead of four, mostly because Phil has told me our news uh, gets, quote, long in the tooth sometimes, and he's really tired of having to pay attention for that long. But also, I realize to preserve the sanctity of fish news, I need a dependable weekly co-anchor just for this segment. So join me in welcoming my colleague Hayden Samick to this dogfight. How are you, man? How are you feeling? Hey, dude. I'm feeling good, man. I'm... <laughs> you sound like you're feeling good. <laughs> I am, man. I'm stoked to be doing this. You know, uh, I love uh, I love the Bent Podcast, man. I think we're going to have a, uh, a good time, man. Thanks we for are. having me. Yeah. We are. We absolutely are. Uh, but for the listeners wondering why Hayden, basically, I just called HQ and was like, hey, do you guys have any of those millennials kicking around? Like, you know, the kind you can just keep heaping work onto and they're too afraid to say no. And they were just like, yeah, absolutely, take Hayden. <laughs> so I, uh, I find your microaggressions super offensive, <laughs> and I am going to be talking to HR immediately. <laughs> As you should. Have a kombucha settle down. Uh, hey. I'm kidding. I'm kidding, of course. I'm kidding. Hayden is my boy, and he's one of the audio engineers I work with often. But I asked Hayden to be my news wingman for several reasons. Um, we actually have a lot in common, right? Like, for starters, yeah. um, we grew up in the same hood. You're living in Bozeman now, therefore longing for good pizza but you're from pa man from pennsylvania you're an east sider uh like me and we stick together we uh we also fished a lot of the same waters out here on the east coast yeah man you know everything from great lake steelies to mm-hmm. uh the ud to upper those, delaware uh, yeah man yeah man those little small stream brookies dude mm-hmm. and uh you know yeah i moved west whatever but i just want to shout out they will always be great lake steelhead to me <laughs> i don't care what anybody says migratory rainbow snobs don't at me yeah don't uh, <laughs> also yeah man the pizza here sucks i i know it's okay we'll ha- we we'll, we'll talk about that probably often the pizza triangle uh but we're also kind of kindred spirits in that we um i think we both grew up splitting our time between fishing and music right like you yeah. you played in a bunch of bands Sure um, and when I was a kid, I always had to ask myself, like, was it, is this a fishing birthday or a music <laughs> birthday? You know what I mean, right? It's like, yeah. do I need a new fly reel or that sweet, sweet grunge pedal? That's how it always was. I know that deal well, my friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, do I want to replace the three hackle capes my dog ate last month? <laughs> or do I want that lame solid state crate amp that 15 year old me didn't know was complete trash? <laughs> I know. That was back in the day. It's like, I got a Fender Squire and a pig nose. I'm rocking. You know what I mean? So, yeah, speaking of music, I'm going to jump in for a sec because yeah. a while back, I shouted you out on Instagram. You helped coordinate the new Bent theme song. You orchestrated mm-hmm. that with the band, and I gave you a shout out for helping. And you were like, dude, everybody thinks I wrote the song and performed the song. Can you please shout out the correct people? And I failed. So this is your chance to tell all the Bent listeners who is really responsible for the Bent theme song. Sure. That was uh, that was mostly coordinated uh, by this dude, Logan Roth, and my other buddy, Will Brown. And they have a production, you know, music production studio out of Philadelphia mm-hmm. called Treacle mm-hmm. Mine Recording. And man, they're they're great musicians, dude. They put everything together, man. Will is yeah. an amazing 
amazing, like uh, dude. We we've got so many compliments on that, but I hope you feel better now. Now they it's better late than never. I do. They have been officially. I, I feel a lot better. <laughs> they have now been officially <laughs> shouted out. Um, but most importantly, right while your primary gig is on the audio side of things here at Meat mm-hmm. Eater. Um, you've also been doing a lot of great writing for our website, right? Thanks, great, great stuff. So I'm confident you can hang. In fact, I know you can. Um, and you even had Miles blessing for this spot before he left. Yeah, man. As a Bent fan from day one, I remember listening to the first episode and knowing that this was something special. And that's wow. in no Appreciate small that, dude. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, and but that's in no small part due to our mutual friend, the uh, irreplicable. Mr. Miles Nolte, <laughs> uh, you know, that dude has been such a big part of the whole mediator fishing department for like kind of ever. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, everything from DOS boat, you know, to this podcast, to a shit ton more, uh, has his fingerprints all over it. Uh, you know, you and your listeners already know this, but Miles is one of the smartest, wittiest, fishiest dudes I've yes. ever met. And I'm totally humbled to take over his role on this small segment here. Yeah, man. Um, yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm no Miles Nolte, <laughs> but I hope you'll be happy with what I bring to the table. And to that end, I intend to well, do my absolute am, best. Here's the thing, though. I don't need you to be Miles. I, I want you to be Hayden. <laughs> I don't be Miles. Though, though, question, right? Did your deep voice help you score this gig? It did not hurt. I will, I will just say that. So, anyway, yes. This is still a competition, so no pressure, bro. But Hayden and I still don't know which news story the other guy is bringing to the table. Phil, our engineer, will still be declaring a news victor. But now that we're only bringing one story apiece to the table, it's like we got to really bring the heat. You know what I mean? Like with with fewer yep. stories, Phil is going to have to maybe judge on style, delivery, the whole works. Um, and I'm going to give you the honor, my friend, of leading off your first news. So hit me. The floor is yours. So, Joe, being the upstanding citizen and conservationist you are, <laughs> I'm sure you've done your fair share of river uh, river cleanups. I have. I've done a, I've done a cleanup a time or two. Yes. Yes. And sometimes you find some pretty crazy shit. Uh, I, I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say I've found anything overly crazy during an actual cleanup, but I mean, I've found some some pretty crazy shit in rivers. But still, I see where you're going here. Yeah. Okay. How about a f-ing pipe bomb? No, no, I have. <laughs> I've never. I don't know if I would have recognized it if I did, but to my knowledge, I've yet to find a pipe bomb. So, yep. Well, today, and I hate myself for making this pun. We're starting off fish news with a bang. Ooh, okay, it's fine. Ooh. I'll let it fly. Ooh. I'll just I'll let it <laughs> let it go. It's all right. It's all right. <laughs> As reported September eighth by the Bozeman Daily Chronicle, Montana FWP search and rescue divers recently found a pipe bomb at a Jefferson River fishing access. Cutie insane hillbillies. Okay. All right. I see how that's I, I gotta be honest, like you're you're from out here. So I know that's a big deal there. You we have rivers here where there's just signs that are like do not wade, bottom littered with pipe bombs. But I'm still listening. Like you still you still you still got me. All right. Well, yeah, man. Basically, search and rescue was doing uh, some sort of training when divers came across an object, quote, having the look of a pipe bomb with a fuse at the Williams Bridge fishing access. Okay. The fuse makes it. I, if, if it had a fuse, I would know what I was it's looking like, at. It's know? like comical a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, it's what you just stereotypically think of as a pipe bomb. Little fuse, <laughs> little pipe. <laughs> Anyhow, they closed down the access, called in some explosive ordnance technicians from the Maelstrom Air Force Base, and blew the suspected explosive device up. Uh, the origins remained unknown, and it's assumed it was probably just, you know, some amateur fish-hating bomb enthusiasts, I guess. Sure, sure. Because, <laughs> because Sheriff Dan Springer did not seem overly concerned. He's quoted as saying, and I love this quote, it could be an innocuous thing given the placement of where we found it. It does not appear to have any target value or anything. But if someone does have some information, <laughs> that would be great to know. <laughs> that would be great. Okay. I mean, it's a little more Wild West out there. I mean, that's a dangerous thing, right? But I I, I don't know. Does that surprise you that he's like that that lack of, of chill about it? Yeah, I feel like that's kind of a little bit of a lax approach to it. That's sort of like uh, when you're at a Walmart or something and if somebody with the red Nissan, your car alarm is going off. <laughs> like, that would be great to know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I love that. You know, just your everyday innocuous pipe bomb. Uh, I actually fished off the Jeff not too long ago with my buddy uh, Corey from work. And we agreed it was one of the weirdest, most confusing days of fishing we've ever had. I mean, dude, the bugs were everywhere, everywhere. And we couldn't even get, like, a single riser. I mean, yeah. we, you know, we all have theories about, like, what put the trout down, right? Barometric pressure, sunlight, whatever. Uh, I never would have thought, maybe pipe bombs. <laughs> <laughs> I've never fished the Jeff, but it's, like, one of those bucket list rivers for me, and I, I will not claim to be any sort of expert on that river. Yeah. I've heard of it more as a streamer river than a bug river. Definitely. But what I've heard from everybody is, like, it giveth and taketh away. It's one of those places where it's just lights out if you know how to time it and then yeah. there's just nothing there if you haven't timed it correctly but i love those kind of places and a lot of times we have rivers out here you're familiar with the lehigh right the lower lehigh oh, i'm a yeah. huge fan it's the mm -hmm. same thing it's one of those places where if you know when to go and what you're doing you're going to see some shit go down uh but similarly i'm sure that the the pipe bombs in the lower lehigh through allentown and bethlehem pa are innumerable you know what i mean you're probably you probably snag Five of them per trip with a heavy sink tip. You just don't know it. You know what I mean? I, I got some family in Allentown. Let me tell you, yeah. that is definitely land of the pipe bomb. Yes. <laughs> right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So anyway, the, the pipe bomb was disposed of. Everybody got out of there with all their fingers, and the fishing access was reopened. Of the incident, FWP warden Captain Adam Pankratz said it made for a good reminder to use caution and carefully inspect items we would normally think of as litter before picking them up. Uh, you know, whether or not you pick it up, I'm not sure you should get close enough to carefully inspect anything right. you think could be, you know, a bomb. Yes. But I, I, I get what he means. Yes. Uh, you know, from this point on, during all my future river cleanups, I'll be keeping an eye out for used needles, broken glass, rusty barbed wire, and now apparently pipe bombs. Yeah. What a world. <laughs> well, but you know what? You 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 bring up a valid point though about the river cleanups, right? Everybody jumps on a river cleanup. Yeah. Right? I mean they they're happening all the time. And it is just the kind of thing, maybe not from the center of the river, depending on the river, but 
you, you pull that out of the mud somewhere, you have no idea what you're looking at. I mean, that's pretty scary, joking about pipe bombs aside. So, I mean, I've never found anything particularly odd during a, a dedicated river cleanup. A um, lot, lot of children's bicycles and those, those Razor scooters. That's the thing around here. I find a lot of Razor scooters for some reason. So if, you're the, if you're in the market for a used one of those. Frustrated kids. Um, but I did, I did pull it. I pulled a, a pistol out of the Delaware once years ago, fully loaded um, off the bottom. And I ended up taking it to the police thinking, you know, it's used in a crime or something. You do the right yeah. thing. And I, I certainly don't know the the backstory, but um, a buddy of mine who just knows more about guns than I do is like, man, that's a really specific, very expensive pistol designed f- just for concealed carry. So huh. it certainly could have been stolen and chucked, but he's <laughs> like, man, better odds with that one that you know somebody was showing his buddy while they were out there striper fishing <laughs> one spring at high water and in the water it went. Um, it, I mean, it had been in there for a long time. It was pretty sure. crusted out. But I mean, the pipe bomb thing is even scarier if you think about it now with the whole magnet fishing culture, which I also oh. dabble in. Right, we I don't, we don't we don't touch on it too much in this show because even though it has fishing in the title, magnet yeah. fishing, it's not fishing. Yeah. Okay, they're not they're not angling for fish. Um, but I, yeah, that was a COVID hobby I got into for a while. <laughs> I found a bunch of ammo and stuff doing that too one time. It was weird, but I think yeah. the the bottom line here is definitely, um, you know, be careful what you pick up when you're when you're saving the the local trout stream. Yeah, I mean, I've never found anything like that. Uh... Yeah, I did find a fossilized bison tooth kind of recently doing a river cleanup. But, I found uh, one of them my first time in Montana in high school. Just uh, randomly found it on the Gallatin. Yeah, very, yeah, I, yeah. I found it on the East Gallatin. Uh, anyhow, uh, that said, I was doing a river cleanup for work. Uh, you know, the other day, mm-hmm. and I did find a packet of condoms and a bunch of glow sticks, which was. <laughs> Paints a picture. <laughs> oh my God! See, there's two types of people out there, man. Those that throw bangers on rivers, and those that throw bang- bangers in them. I guess you know. Like, hey, hey, glow sticks, though, right? Like glow sticks. Is that what the, is that what you kids are doing these days? Just like having like an impromptu river rave, crank up yep. the, the Skrillex, <laughs> and uh, and go after it. Well, there, there you go. O'Reilly Auto Parts are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. If you're confused about what part you need, like what wipers are going to be the best, what replacement headlights are going to be the best, go into O'Reilly and talk to the people that work there because they're great and they're super friendly and they'll get you squared away where you walk out knowing you got the right thing. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. Do you need your windshield wipers replaced? you need a brake light fixed? you need some quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash eater. You ever get that feeling you're stuck inside staring at screens and a primal urge kicks in? You crave wide open spaces, fresh air, the chance to connect with the land? Well, maybe it's time to find 
your own piece of the wild. But searching for property can be a maze. That's where land.com comes in. They got millions of listings across the country, from mountain ranches to hidden fishing holes. Their search tools are like a seasoned guide helping you narrow down what you want. Land.com isn't just about buying and selling. It's about finding a place to hunt, fish, explore, or simply sit by a campfire and listen to the crickets. So head over to land.com today to turn one day into today. Because trust me, there's nothing quite like the feeling of standing on your own piece of earth. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. So I'm trying to think of how to transition to that. Um, I guess be careful what you're looking for and watch out for the glow sticks if uh, you happen to be doing any any cleanups on any river systems or ponds up in Maine. How's that for a transition? You like that? Transitions matter in this game, by the way. <laughs> you didn't have to come up with one today, but I did, and that's a poor one, which tips the hat in your favor with Phil. Yes. So people ask me all the time, what's still on your bucket list? It's a fairly It's a fairly common question. And um, two of those things would be giant wild brook trout, like up yes. in Labrador or Quebec. That's something I've never gotten to do. I've never gotten up there. Um, and Arctic char. Now, bull trout used to be on that list, and I've scratched that one, though not thoroughly. You know what I mean? Like, I, it, I've never yeah. been on a dedicated bully trip. It was incidental, which to me sort of counts, but not really. Um, but I guess based on, on, on this list, it seems like I have a thing for chars, which maybe yeah. I do. Do you do, what do you, chars? Where are you on that? You do much char fishing? Uh, you know, Char, I think, are for my money probably the most beautiful salmonids that there are. Yeah, you know, I, I think they also live in some of the most beautiful places. So w- when COVID hit initially, I spent a ton of time, you know, just blue line and brook trout up in northeastern PA. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. man, those little things just totally have my heart. You know what I mean? Sure. Yeah, dude. I I, I get that. I mean, I I it's been a while since I've done that. My problem is that. Um, like after a few, I'm like, okay, like it, 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 it's hard to hold my attention with it all day long, but I appreciate yeah. them so much. And there's a, there's a lot of that in that part of the world that people don't know about. Don't give away your spots, but I know that's one thing you have <laughs> wired is that, that Northeast PA. Yeah, uh, I got a little bit dialed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so I, I've also, I've kind of like always roped Arctic char in with she fish, which was another bucket list catch. And I got that one, but for both those and the chars, most people assume you have to trek pretty damn far north to get after them. Um, and that's true if you sort of want the real deal migratory giant char experience, yeah. which I do. But if you're one of those folks that just wants to check the list, just wants to say, I got one, you could technically check Arctic char off in Maine, which I don't huh. think many people realize. I Did you know that? that? No? Nope. Okay. So Maine is the only state in the contiguous lower 48 that has a native population of Arctic char. Furthermore, according to the story I'm pulling from in the Bangor Daily News, these are the rarest salmonids east of the Rocky Mountains. Now, historically, they were referred to as blueback trout, which I'd heard of that. I've heard that term. But according to this piece by Bob Mallard, 
while I guess the locals still call them that, he seems to suggest that's going to get phased out and they're just going to start calling them Arctic char because that's what they are. So the average char in Maine, um, it's, it's going to measure a foot or less, and the state record is only 25 inches. So these are not the giants you see uber-rich people mean mugging with in <laughs> Greenland. These are like the every man's accessible yeah. char, you know? Um, anyway, so these, these main char, they're the southernmost native population in the world, and you'd think that would mean that they'd be treated with care, but this story... Uh, sadly, is really focused on how little Maine is doing to protect these fish. Um, Now, Mallard, great writer, he takes a deep dive into the specifics, but I'm just going to run through the Cliff Notes version here just to to sort of hit some bullet points so we all understand. There used to be 19 bodies of water in the state that supported these char. There are now 12, um, all of which are ponds, many interconnected by running water. 11 of those waters still have a daily harvest limit between one and five fish. And then Mallard writes, length limits are often inadequate, as one water has an 18-inch limit, 10 have slot limits of 10 to 12 inches with one fish over slot allowed, and six waters have a 6-inch limit, the lowest length limit allowed for salmonids under Maine law. And that one struck me, right? I'm curious to see what you think, because you're, you're a brookie guy. Because in my opinion, or the way I see it, unless you're in a survival situation or you're camping and the only way you're eating tonight is is to take what you can get, who's keeping a six-inch trap? <laughs> like, no matter how you cook that fish, little brookies or whatever, like, isn't that shriveling up to nothing? And I'm not judging, like, is that a thing? Like, do you, do you like, catch those little guys and eat them? I've heard people say, it's the best trout you'll ever eat is a tiny little brookie. Is that true? I've never had one. You know, I, I, I wouldn't mess with a six-inch brookie i'd say my uh my i'd take i'd take a seven and a half though in a heart i would <laughs> <laughs> i would you bet man man my favorite meal ever dude is like you know picking some morels on a stream bank mm-hmm. catching a couple brookie and working that up man bonus points if you can find some ramps you know that's like a northeast kind of thing uh mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I could see it maybe not six inches but particularly if your slot limit's like what one right yeah, I, I don't know, man. What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with one yeah, six-inch trout, that's, right? That's like a fish stick. <laughs> <laughs> All those things you just mentioned, though, morels followed by trout followed by ramps, good for you. I'm happy to find time to do one of those and then I have to go home and do something with my kids. So if you can hit all those in one shot, God bless. Stay gold, pony boy. Anyway, uh, Mallard adds, at least 10 Arctic char waters allow the use of bait, which by most estimates comes with a 30 to 35% incidental mortality rate. He says there have also been instances where the state accidentally stocked invasive non-native landlocked salmon over native Arctic char. Uh Other ponds have been infested with non-native smelt, which the state stocks to feed the non-native salmon. (laughs) Right? I mean, come on. So Maine also stocks non-native lake trout. And according to Mallard's research, there have been reports over the years of anglers catching char in waters the state claims doesn't have them. And when one's caught, they'll say, well, that's just a random one that went over the dam from this pond that does have them. So here's the thing. I grabbed the story because, frankly, if you break this all down, it to me, it speaks to the hypocrisy that you see in fishing all the time. And the bottom line is that money drives everything, including what swims where you live, right? So yeah. I, to relate it to snakeheads, because it's just easy, a lone snake pops up in New York or Massachusetts, everyone flips shit, right? Sure They're suddenly do. worried about their bass and crappies. 
which aren't native either. Rest assured, some <laughs> native darter or sucker or whatever took a hit or went away at some point in history because bass or walleyes or whatever were stocked there. Yet here is a known remaining population of rare native fish, and nobody's freaking out about it. Why is that? What do I truly believe? Lake trout and landlocked salmon sell tackle and licenses. Mains mm-hmm. char do not. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. Um, in fact, not long ago, I covered uh, another story from Bob Mallard, and he said, you know, Maine's governor is putting millions into state hatcheries. Why not put millions into your native char? Study them, protect them, um, because that doesn't make anyone any money. You know, if snakehead anglers suddenly bought more tackle than bass anglers, the snakehead tour suddenly got bigger than the bass tour, they'd be okay. <laughs> um, so it all, it all comes back to money, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, and man, there are so many fisheries where... Angler interest is both a a gift and a curse, and I think that uh, a lot of times they see the cash opportunity and they end up sort of mismanaging a fishery. Sure, because they think that well, if we're getting all this money into fishing, then it, then it must be a good right. But the reality is, is, a lot of times a misallocation of that money towards maybe a more attractive recreational opportunity really just kind of f***s the native fish. Well, what what gets me about this story, right, is that, you know, you see similar things with a lot of the, the smaller cutthroat species in the desert and things like that. Yeah. But if you look at where they are, it's not a high population density area. So it's almost easier to look the other way because it's like you're saving a trout that nobody can touch or very few people are going to get to where they are to do that. But then you have this here in Maine. It's like this is really accessible shit. Like there's a lot yeah. of people that fish there which would seem like there'd be more impetus to pay attention to this than even some of the, the, the lesser species out there. It's just like how you said, man. They, they're dropping a bunch of stalkers basically in there and dropping a bunch of feed for the stalkers in there. And it's like, all right, well, you got a, a new recreational fishery or you're continuing an artificial recreational fishery. But like, at what cost to like the natural integrity of what's supposed to be there? Well... And that's and that's the problem all over, is and that's also mm-hmm. a question you and I are not going to answer right now. Um, maybe Phil will surprise us and he'll answer it instead of declaring <laughs> a victor today. He will have all the answers to that. Um, it's got to say, dude, you did a great job today. I think this is going to be fun. I want everybody to find Hayden on the Instagram and give him a shout out. This was a big deal, and this was this was very fun to do. You were going to hear from him week over week here in news. Um, so now, now you get to be judged by Phil. Is Phil is Phil technically your boss? He's not your boss, is he? Yeah, I have a feeling I'm not winning this one, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> we will see how you fare, and then guess what? How about this shit? As soon as we're done hearing from Phil, Phil is going to do a freaking <laughs> fin clips. Phil is going to teach you something about a species you did not know. I cannot wait. Partially because I'm just trying to be nice to the new guy, but also because it's hard to beat a bomb at a fishing access site on the Jefferson. Hayden, you're the winner. Hey! Hmm. I wonder who could have left the bomb there. Do we know of anyone who enjoys fishing? Like a known fishing personality who disappeared from somewhere that they've been seen often without much notice and fled to a foreign country? No, you don't think. (laughs) 
According to the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, over 80% of the Earth's oceans are unexplored and unmapped. Now, I don't know about you, but I find that both incredibly thrilling and terrifying. It's one thing to look up past the Milky Way into the vast infinity of space during the first semester at your state university and wonder, where did we all come from, man? We'll never know what's out there. But the next time you're on a transoceanic flight, you can look down out of the window into the sea and think practically the same thing. The first written records of the massive cephalopod we've come to call the giant squid go back as far as Aristotle and Pliny the Elder. They described the calamari with a head as big as a cask. Throughout the 19th century, strandings, as they referred to, where the carcass of a giant squid would wash ashore, started to become more common. We would come to realize that there is so much more beneath the surface than we could ever know. The first photographs of the giant squid in its natural habitat didn't exist until 2004. Yeah, fewer than 20 years ago. And there was no video record until 2006. We think they can grow up to 13 meters long, but we're not sure. We think the average lifespan is about five years, but that's just a guess. We think they generally dwell between 300 and 1,000 meters below the ocean, but only because we study the feeding patterns of their predators. Regular listeners of this here show will be familiar with a segment titled Freakin' Philistines. The intro audio from that segment is pulled from a 2005 movie directed by Noah Baumbach titled The Squid and the Whale. The title referring to the diorama at the Museum of Natural History in New York that depicts a sperm whale locked in deadly battle with a giant squid. The scene terrified one of the characters in the movie when he was a child, so he projects all the anxiety and anger he carries for his dad onto the squid and the whale and blah 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 blah. It's a bunch of pretentious indie movie bullshit. What do you think this is, an episode of Freakin' Philistines? That being said, it's on Netflix and you should check it out. I'm sure you've heard that old horror movie 101 trick. The monster is scarier if you don't see it. It can be whatever you want it to be. A 13-meter-long tentacled beast living 500 meters below the sea that we had almost no photographic evidence of until 2004 fits this bill pretty well, don't you think? So much so that if you saw something like this 1,000 years ago, you might be inclined to make of it whatever you wanted to. Several years ago, at a family reunion that I would have jumped into moving traffic to get out of attending, I saw a man standing by the beer coolers whom I had not met before. His long black hair was sticking to his forehead, and his beard was almost more gray than black. His eyes looked somewhat glazed over, but he looked friendly. Looking back, it might have been his fourth IPA giving him that welcoming look, but I was keeping up with his pace, and I approached. Phil Taylor, he said. Oh, hey, I replied, very much taken aback. I'm sorry, what was your name again? It's fine, kid, he said. We haven't met, so don't worry. You don't have to pretend to know me. I like this guy already. Uh, how do you know who I am? Well, it says Phil T on your name tag, and there are a whole lot of tailors here. Just kind of put two and two together. <laughs> I laughed, getting uncomfortable again. What do you do? You ever been to Storm's End? He said, finally looking up. Uh, I stuttered. Can't say I have. And to be honest, I had no idea where Storm's End was. Maine? Somewhere in Canada? He continued. We had seven ships all crewed up. Victorion had sent us there to raid and mop up what was left on the docks from a recent shipment the Baratheons had brought in from Mir. Simple. Done it a thousand times before. Half their fleet was up north doing God knows what past King's Landing and it was ours for the taking. We took. Three days out and we're heading round south. I was the only man on that ship not drunk that night, if you can believe it. I felt like it had been dark for days. The sun had to be coming soon. That's when we heard it. 
A roar from beneath the waves so deep and loud it rattled the nails in the frame of the ship. The drinking songs went silent. The men and their salt wives all came above deck. After a minute of silence, the fear on our faces began to fade, and Spar pushed out the loudest fart any of us had ever heard. So that's what that sound was, Farwind yelled. Everyone laughed. They all laughed. The next thing I saw was Spar's body being thrown so hard against the deck it split in two. It was chaos. The ship rocked so fiercely. I was nearly thrown overboard until I grabbed a rope so that my skin was torn from my palms. I pulled myself back onto the deck and looked over into the sea. Its arms burst out of the water from every direction like scythes through wheat and cut through the ship just the same. Those who saw as I did ceased their laughing but had no time to scream, for the arms had already pulled them under. I thought about running below deck but knew it was likely underwater already. Instead, I ran to the bow, jumping over body parts and splintered wood as the tentacles were making quick work of the middle of the ship, rising fifty meters into the air and crashing into the deck, smashing everything that came between. It was then that two more arms emerged from the water, twice as long as any before, from both sides of what remained of the ship. They did not fall, but slowly embraced the old boat and squeezed. Squeezed until the boat split in two and I was thrown from the bow as if it were a trebuchet. The wind was knocked out of me as I landed in the water. I flailed until I saw what remained of a mast twenty meters behind me, and I swam to it, held on, and passed out. When I awoke, the sun was up. I screamed before I was even awake, as if the monster were still attacking. There was no echo and no response. I floated on that mast for the remains of the day when a merchant ship passed just before sundown. The crew pulled me aboard, and that's when I noticed my right foot was so purple and mangled I would not walk with it again. They brought me to Old Town where the maesters were able to remove it, sparing my leg and my life. And now I need another beer. The bearded man leaned down to the cooler, pulled out another can, and turned to face the sound, now turning bright orange with the setting of the sun. As soon as I came to my senses, I too turned and looked at the rest of my extended family. What the f***? Am I the only one who heard this shit? My brain was scrambling to think of a follow-up question when I realized I never asked the man his name. When I turned back to do so, he was gone. We will the unknown into being, and if it spreads far enough, it becomes iconic. A canvas for anyone and everyone to paint with their own conceptions of reality, their hopes, their fears. Before the bearded man reached down for his last beer, he told me, A lion may be fierce enough on land, but at sea, the kraken rules supreme. Or maybe I just read that in a book somewhere. Wow! Yeah, so I'm I'm not sure what I really learned <laughs> about a new species there, uh, but I'm suddenly now in the mood to watch either Cabin Boy or Highlander. I just can't decide. Uh, that was a very Phil Taylor fin clips, if I ever heard one. Well done. But there was, I'm going to guess, because I didn't watch, there's some Game of Thrones references in there, right? Am oh, I right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, yeah. You you calling it a very Finn Taylor fin clips. Uh, I, think, I think you mean that more as a compliment than an insult. I'd say it's probably like a 60-40 split there. I'll, I'll take the compliment, though. Thanks, Jeff. You also just called yourself Finn Taylor, which... Do not cut that out because uh -oh. that's just what I'm going to refer to you as now uh, from now on. Anyway, so uh, while I think nobody is allowed to fish at Storm's End until they lift their COVID restrictions, that's I do true. think we can go to Mexico, pretty sure. We've already been there once in this show today, so why not end there too? I'm going to close it out with an end of the line with a lesson about bass lures. I picked up just a hair east of Mazatlan and have carried with me to Larry Ponds across the U.S. Fishy, 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 fishy! Well, that's not loud enough, Bert.
This is going to be a roundabout way of getting to a very simple end-of-the-line suggestion, but this story has always resonated with me. I never forgot it, and it perfectly sums up my thoughts on many things in fishing. It also happened on the same aforementioned trip where I ended up kind of held at gunpoint in a Mexican airport. Back in 2009, I got invited to fish the famed Lake El Salto in the Mexican state of Sinaloa. Now, I've mentioned that I'm not much of a largemouth guy, but a chance to fish El Salto, which at the time had a reputation as one of the world's leading giant fish factories, wasn't something I was going to pass up. This is where you went looking to score a double-digit bass without working too hard, and I was a guest of Pure Fishing. Now, Pure Fishing owned Abu Garcia and Berkeley, just to name a few brands under their umbrella, but they had just recently acquired Sabeel. Patrick Sabeel, who started his namesake lure company, was a lure-making revolutionary. He created several truly genius baits like the Magic Swimmer, the Stick Shad, and the Vibrato. But Sabeel was also one of those types that insisted every classic lure you knew and loved could be improved upon. He kind of fixed some things that weren't really broken, many of which didn't hang around nearly as long as the Magic Swimmer, Stick Shad, and Vibrato. Sabeel himself was not on this trip to Mexico, but all the hard bait supplied for us to use on this trip happened to be Sabeel lures. At the time, a very good friend of mine was working for Pure Fishing, an older, wiser fella, and a real southern gentleman. Sabeel lures were so new to the company that my old buddy hadn't fished with many or perhaps any at all before coming on this trip to El Salto. On our second day, we ended up on a boat together, and our guide took us to a flooded stump field. Most of the guides there speak little English, but they can get the necessities across. Spinnerbait, senor, was all he had to say. So we dug into our courtesy bags full of Sabeel lures and found Sabeel Pro Shad spitterbaits. I mean, they looked like spinnerbaits, but the devil was in the details. Instead of a normal blade, they had some funky, odd, fish-shaped blade. It actually looked like the side profile of a crankbait. On the same post as the blade, there was this little tassel made from rubber legs. The arm was also chocked full of weird angles, and the hook was deeply scooped and curved more like a circle hook. But it's all we had. And hey, I'm here with the guy that works for Sabeel, so all good. I noticed right away that the blades weren't turning consistently. And my buddy, he was noticing this too. He was also noticing how that little tassel sometimes got in the way of the blade. We were both noticing that the lure had a tendency to come in on its side now and again. Now, I just sort of slow rolled with the punches and kept my mouth shut, but I could tell by his silence, my man was getting frustrated. Then he gets bit and the fish doesn't connect. Silence. He gets thumped again. No connection. Silence. After about the fifth time, this man, who I'd never once heard raise his voice, take the Lord's name in vain, or drop an F-bomb, screamed, Oh my God, what I wouldn't give for a $3 War Eagle spinnerbait right now. That night, after dinner, he pulled me aside, kind of in the shadows, away from the rest of the other writers and guests and people from his company in their Sabeel hats and shirts. And like a drug deal going down, he looked around and slipped one plain white and one chartreuse war eagle spinnerbait in my hand. All he said was, make sure they don't end up in any photos, okay? Now, I'm about some Sabeel Magic Swimmer swim baits. In fact, they're so cool, I might do an end-of-the-line jest on them. They've produced stripers and mahi and smallmouths when nothing else got touched. But 
I was then and am now a believer that cheap, generic, plain Jane spinnerbaits have stood the test of time for a reason. It's never been broke, so we don't need to fix it. And I still gravitate to the ones hanging on the pegs naked without the clamshell packaging in Walmart and Bass Pro. And no, I do not need tungsten blades. So that's it for this week. Remember, nobody in Mexico will ever steal your fly fishing gear because they don't believe it's effective for catching fish. Canadian people need to figure out that I is a vowel and it does in fact make a sound. You're going to lose all your spinner baits anyway, so buy the cheap ones. And if anyone has a spot to fill on that Kraken charter you book with your drunk uncles, Phil's got 200 bucks and a vintage igloo cooler and he is ready to go. Yeah, and also send your voice memos for uh, nibbles and sips in. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah they're, they're going to be fun to edit. Um, also, keep those sailboat items bar nominations, awkward photos, news clips, and whatever the hell else you want us to consider for use on this show coming to bentatthemeateater.com. And if you post any foods on a stick, tag them Degenerate <laughs> Angler or Bent Podcast. Joe told me to say that. Yes, because we love foods on a stick. I also love and appreciate Mr. Phil Taylor for being my first guest co-host. Should I have him do it again? Let me know. Uh, big thanks again to Hayden Samick for jumping aboard the news train. He'll be back next week. And until then, remember, keep your freedom loops tight and your wallet in your front pocket. You ever get that feeling the walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating you? You crave some wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe in a spot all your own. Well, head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forests, mountains, streams, you name it. Search by acreage. You can search by location. You can search by the kind of hunting and fishing you're dreaming of. Land.com. It is where the adventure begins. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana, they're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.